2: Morning. Good morning. How's it going? Good, good. How are you? Good. Who,
1: which among our sponsors should we talk about for one minute before we go on?
2: Well, let's talk about Neat Essentials. Need Essentials, David. The name says it all, as you often say, um, just the essentials, whatever you need to get it done. Need Essentials comes through with high quality wetsuits uh, board shorts, gear. Uh, they have a great um, dry, buff, <clears throat> dry duffel bag. I'm a big fan. Need essentials. I have been for many, many years, and they've been a part of our show for many, many years. Did the water cool down in San Diego? It got super cold. Crazy, right?
1: I was yeah. trunking it, trunking it for I don't know a few weeks, and now it's down to sixty
2: again. It's warm back up here. It's, okay, um, good. Yesterday it was like sixty-eight. Okay, good.
1: Um, Not only do they provide everything you need, they provide the best entertainment in all of surfing. Lost Track Atlantic episode three debuted last week, and that's available now on uh, all of the interwebs, YouTube.
2: Yeah, I watched it and uh, I'm a big fan of of everything those two gentlemen do. And uh, it's inspiring to sort of lead the nomadic lifestyle, you know, too late for you. Kind of, <laughs> kind of is it kind of is you, see gotta, my... be, oh,
1: you yeah. gotta be in your 20s or in retirement and i don't know how close you are to either of those
2: neither of those are ever going to happen
1: <laughs> um and then so neatessentials.com obviously wetsuits wear board shorts and then also nvs fins sponsors our show and um I'm going to get a booth for Serve Splendor at the boardroom show, which is on September 25th and 26th. And Neat Essentials will have some of their fins on display there to showcase. So if you want to swing by the booth, it's mainly just to sell merch for the podcast t shirts. Um, but Neat Essentials will have some of the fins there because we always talk about them on the show. You mean so NVS?
2: Come- NVS. Yes.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So NVS
2: live
1: we'll um, Especially the C drive fins. I feel like. As much as we talk about it, and I actually get feedback from customers or listeners um, who have tried them saying the same, acknowledging kind of their greatness, but I never see them in the water, really. So I think there should be more sea drives
2: carving through the lineup. All right. I like it. Fair enough. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. It's Wednesday morning. It's August 11th of the year 2021. The uh, WSL Corona Open in Mexico is happening right now. There are men surfing in their heats in the water down in Barra de la Cruz. And uh, David, good morning. Good morning, Scott. Uh, Great to see you. Are you back
1: in the water? Last time we talked, you had taken two weeks off due to injury.
2: Yeah, it turned into three weeks. I have, oh gosh. I have been in the water the last couple of days, actually doing stand up paddling to kind of see how my foot feels. Um, and I this morning I feel like I could, I could go do it. But I'm, I'm concerned. I can't even get to my feet after three weeks of sitting on my ass. I swear to God, that's a concern to my Like, this, can I even pop up?
1: The um fact that your foot's feeling good enough today is that the reason why you wanted to push our podcast to 11 o'clock
2: kind of but it's actually <laughs> the waves will, the waves are crappy here anyway okay. but if the tide's so low this morning there might be some mid-tide or wave okay. here or there yeah at 11 <laughs> all
1: right well i've got a i've got a plumber at eight and an ultrasound at 11 so my morning is
2: booked okay yes i understand
1: um but uh can you discuss your injury or does it even matter
2: I mean, it's a metatarsal ligament strain. Due um, to what? <laughs> you got Pickle me. Ball? Pickleball? Pickleball no, injury? No, no. But I was talking about this yesterday with a friend of mine because he hurt his knee playing pickleball and I hurt my toe doing yoga. So we're like, which is worse? Like, do you tell people that you got a pickleball injury or a yoga injury? I think they're equally sort of um, emasculating. Is that the right word?
1: Yeah. No. I mean, it's one word that definitely works,
2: but yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was the nice word. Um, so yeah, I, I hurt my toe doing yoga actually. Crazy. I overdid it. I overdid it. You know, the male yoga? ego gets involved with yoga. I should have been more like a flower and instead I was trying to be a lion.
1: Yoga is supposed to prevent injuries and it's also anti-ego.
2: I know. See, that's, that's what they're dealing with. When I walk into those rooms, they're dealing with this guy. Massive do, do ego. It, do you do hot? hot yeah, yoga idea how, how hot pretty damn hot about as hot as you can handle it
1: i think it's there's good. like a 95 there's like a 89 95 and 105 or something
2: i don't even know the temperature okay. i just know that it's brutally hot and it's okay. but it's my friends i'll give them a shout out at yoga tropics in encinitas and um they're a family run yoga outfit. I'm a big fan of what they do and I try to support what they do. And it's those, one of those classic things. I went back to yoga after getting vaccinated. And I'm like, "Okay, I'll pony up. I ponied up for, you know, whatever it was, a month for a, a, a substantial amount of money." And then two sessions in, I hurt myself and I haven't been able to go back. But Bummer. and I'm getting fat. I'm sitting here. But the two stand up paddle sessions that I had, I just went out to paddle around to see how my foot felt on on top of a board see if there was pain and there's a little bit of pain but um you know what i noticed on the wsl broadcast they just showed two two bathtubs filled with ice for ice cool downs and i've been doing a lot of the icing i've been putting my foot in ice yeah that's huge
1: or that's hugely beneficial um let's get into the corona open uh i mean is it ominous that they titled their title sponsor is Corona, and there's an <laughs> outbreak and there's an outbreak of the coronavirus in the state. Um
2: well premonition, maybe? Okay. So I reached out to the WSL. Let me see if I can find what they told me. Okay. Because I was like, what's going on? Are you guys gonna cancel this thing? Or, you know, I like I think I sent you the same article that I sent them basically. Um, from a Mexican newspaper that was saying, hey, man, this is a problem here. Um, I'll, read,
1: I'll read the title of that while you're looking up the email. The okay. title, the headline of the article is Nine Oaxacan Municipalities on Maximum Alert for COVID Infections," And the pull quote was um, the resident Giovanni Vasquez said her father was turned away from the IMSS hospital in Puerto Escondido without even being tested for COVID-19, despite having telltale symptoms of the disease. He died at home two weeks later. So the hospitals are so congested and full that they're even turning away uh, patients showing symptoms of COVID. They're not even testing them, they're just turning them away because there's no room. And in this particular case, unfortunately, the uh, would-be patient passed away.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you what they said here. Sorry, I was just... Point, okay, so let me get back to that. Okay, so I said, hey, what's going on? Um, yay or nay with Mexico, question mark? And they said, yeah, it's on as far as I know. Everyone is there. The swell is on the way. Waltuco and Barra have different jurisdictions than Oaxaca or to Oaxaca, which is interesting. I think they're all in the state of Oaxaca. But So that refers to the email, the newspaper that you just read about. And he said, the situations are better in Hualtuka and Barra, and we're collaborating with local jurisdictions on COVID protocols. So we're good to go so far. And that's all that was said. It was a short.
1: So there's like, let's presume even if there is an outbreak locally in theory, potentially the WSL can kind of run a bubble scenario where they show up, they keep everybody in the bubble. Maybe it's at a resort. Don't interact with any other tourists. And, um, leave the same way they came is that responsible is that practical can you actually execute that even if that's your goal you've been to that area is that a possibility
2: well i mean it's kind of above my pay grade to, you know like it's one of the, it, here's the deal if nobody gets covid it, yeah it was responsible if somebody gets covid and there's an outbreak and a, then it was irresponsible you know like it like like, was in hawaii it, You are, you are so, (laughs) so one of the things they did say is they're like, David's got it out for us, man. They're like, this guy. I just call
1: it like it is. It's not get it
2: out for them. It's exactly what happened. Um, I know. I mean, so there's some good stuff has happened too. We, I, look, I'm not trying to, I agree with you that it could be really, really bad, which is why I brought it to their attention. I'm like, Oh my gosh, are you sure you guys are doing this? Yeah. And you know, um, let's just wait and see right now. It's a pretty good event. I've actually watched some surfing. It's been good. Um, is it responsible? This is actually a really good question. I mean, thank you. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's a totally valid point, you know, and it's, and like I said, I mean, let me ask you this. If they get through the event and there's nobody gets sick, Do you still think it's irresponsible just because they rolled the dice? Like it's almost about the dice roll. Like, is because right now they've rolled the dice. And so is the dice roll a responsible thing to do?
1: I think at this point, um, the world has to go on. And the way that we're experiencing COVID now is it's not as deadly as it was last year. And it's not going to be. Well. It's the Delta variant's pretty gnarly, deadly or just contagious? Because
2: I know, maybe, yeah, maybe it's more
1: contagious now, but death rate is way down. So, I think a year ago, yeah, our concern was if you get this, you could die. And I really didn't know anybody who had it in Southern California, it wasn't as rampant as it was, say, in New York. And now I feel, and but then the other part of that equation was we've got this vaccine coming that could potentially eradicate it. So our headspace was death is on the horizon, but eradication is potentially on the horizon. I feel like now the mentality is this thing, a lot of people I know now have had it or do currently have it, especially just in the last month, by the way. And But none nobody's dying from it. Nobody that yeah. I know is dying from yeah. it. And honestly, they're not even getting that sick. And a lot of yeah. them were vaxxed before they got the virus. Yeah. And we're also not going to eradicate it now. So it's kind of like, as the mentality shifts to we, you know, this could be a polio esque scenario. Now it's going to be more of a flu scenario where we're probably going to have to live with it year in and year out for some time, if not forever. And there is going to be, or there are going to be variations and variants of this thing, just like the flu, where you're kind of creating a VAX each year that is trying to predict which strain it's going to be and you're hitting it sometimes and you're missing. And so I think that as we shift into that mentality, you have to start rolling the dice with things like this. You can't just uh, not run events and not run your business. You have to figure out a way how to do it responsibly. And so if the WSL can create a bubble scenario, I mean, you have to have rules in place. You can't just roll the dice completely willy nilly and just go down there. You have to have, you know certain either vaccination protocol or quarantine protocol or both and try to run a bubble scenario that's my thought
2: yeah i agree with that I, I i think that's at this point that's um that's reasonable you know and it's funny i i got a call from a guy and he's like he's like hey are you having your event you know the boardroom show and i'm like yeah of course yeah. he's like well <clears throat> okay I just checking you know and I'm like yeah yeah why what's the problem and he's like, well I've, I know a couple of people that have been vaccinated and got delta and I'm like are they in jail ge- are they dead he's like no I'm like are they in the hospital he's like no and I'm like well what are they he's like well they're sick. I'm like yeah people get sick that's what this, guess what the vaccine's working it's keeping you from dying and it's keeping you from being severely ill so that you have to go to the hospital yeah and that's what the vaccine's supposed to do you know, there yeah. are a few outbreak cases, you know, because people aren't as, um, as steadily from an immunity standpoint as you and I. Thank you very much. Three shots, Scott. You're looking at them right here. Not two <sighs> shots, three shots. But uh, so anyway, I think there is a lot of like leftover fear that needs to um, sort of go by the wayside. And, and I think that's happening. I think people are just like, dude, look. You know, like this Delta thing, it's running through the underbrush of those that haven't been vaccinated. Now, the big problem is, and I don't want to turn this into a vaccine discussion because I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm concerned about the children as we go back to school. And again, it could just be like the flu. Everyone, all the kids got the flu. That happens every year. There's always a flu outbreak and people that's yeah. on the news and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we'll see. My bigger, bigger concern actually is that because the Delta variant is... In this in the society, that it mutates into something much worse, but um, that's just fear-based. In, you know, that that's just simply hasn't happened.
1: And you talking about the leftover fear that people are experiencing, I think, is related to how polarizing uh, the current climate is. Whether it's on um, being perpetuated by the media or social media, it's like, you know, if you you're either going to die from the disease or you don't take the vaccine at all because the vaccine's going to embed you with government or Bill Gates probes or whatever. And the reality is all common sense has left the room. And so I think the way that you and I have just kind of assessed it is things weren't as extreme, is more accurate. Things weren't as extreme at some point or, you know, as they seemed to be a year ago. And we're in a middle ground now, and we're trying to get back to a point of livability. And uh, the answer is somewhere in the middle.
2: You know, it's interesting, since my, I've been vaccinated, I've received not one, but I've received two uh, overpayment checks from the IRS. They sent me money, the government. So whatever they put in my conspiracy system, theory, it's working great in my regards because the government's sending me money now. It's Are that, you it's saying,
1: fast. is this the new conspiracy? The <laughs> government is paying you to get vaccinated?
2: No, I'm just saying that, I mean, do the math. You know, the correlation is there, you know. <laughs> so with so the other detail with COVID as
1: it relates to the WSL is that I was saying last week that the waiting period is only five days apart between the end of the Mexico waiting period and the start of the Tahiti uh, waiting period, which doesn't leave enough time for non-vaccinated athletes to get to Tahiti and quarantine before the start of that event, Well, it looks like Mexico is going to run and uh, possibly even complete the event at the beginning of the waiting period, which will now leave a lot more time to get to Tahiti, Uh, and especially if Tahiti doesn't run on day one. If it runs later in that two-week window, then there is time to quarantine, but one notable surfer has stood up to say he's not vaccinated and therefore will not be going to Tahiti, and that is one Gabriel Medina, our number one ranked surfer. Uh, so he actually doesn't even need to go to Tahiti. He's already qualified for the Lowers event anyways, the final day at Lowers, so he can still win the world title this year even without going to Tahiti, but that's a pretty pretty big and interesting update.
2: Yeah, that's actually quite fascinating. I mean, from a competitive level, we know he's going to Lowers no matter what, but will he lose? Is there a possibility that some people overtake his number one seeding and he's the five seed? And is that, as you've mentioned, that it could be a benefit, you know, to like to be in shape and to surf through the, you know, surf three or four heats through to get to the final and you're on your game. We've we've seen that happen in other sports. I'm trying to think where that happens in other sports, where because you get to maybe it's surfing You're actually now I'm thinking about it because you get to surf a few heats before you're you're on your game. Like I said, you're on your game. You're ready to go. You're you know what the waves. You're you're feeling you've got to feel for what the ocean's doing as opposed to just being thrown out there. For the final yeah. heat now of course the finals is i think you said two out of three heats for the final yep
1: yep so two out of three. you
2: know maybe that's not necessarily true but uh competitively um uh, it's interesting what gabe did you know he's like i'm, yeah. t- I'm going back to brazil for about two months or whatever and he's chilling <clears> out <throat> and um and he's going to fly to lowers and quarantine i guess or not if you test negative and just go do his deal and i mean if so, you're if you're the bottom half of the tour you're you're probably, you know, I guess this, obviously this helps you. I mean, can, Oh yeah. Well, we know he can't get knocked out,
1: but we don't want to draw him in Tahiti. I mean, if you're Seth Moniz and you're looking at requalification and you come up against Gabriel Medina in the early rounds in Tahiti, that's a problem. So I think Seth or whoever else is psyched to just not have him in the draw.
2: Well, what about if you're say Morgan Sibilic and you're number five going into lowers or you're number four and you get, or, you know, basically you draw Gabe in the first round at lowers.
1: <laughs> you're like, Oh
2: shit. You know, get I was busy. hoping I mean, I was... might as well
1: get him out of the way quick.
2: No, I know. I'm just, you're going to have to face him eventually. It doesn't matter. But I mean,
1: but you might not get to lowers if he was at Tahiti, he could bump right. you off, you know? Um, so there's a couple of other absentee surfers for the rest of the season, but we'll get into those in a minute. I think we should talk Mexico first uh, day one ran yesterday in marginal surf, but the wave is so good that even marginal Barra is still, better than a lot of venues on tour i'm thrilled to have it back i would love to see it on tour as a mainstay or at least more regularly than once every 15 years um what are your thoughts on day one
2: um i agree with everything you said it's been fun to watch i'm watching it right now on my phone it's it's it's, oh is it on yeah okay it's been exciting you know and it continues to be exciting and um I thought Kelly looked pretty solid. I didn't watch all of it. I watched some heats early yesterday morning, um, and my thoughts are that it's it's a great venue. I personally don't want it on tour for selfish reasons. Sadly, jeez, yeah, I know. I I'm trying to draw attention away from that area, but it might be well, too in that, late. In that case, it might be cancel too late. the tour. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Like oh, <laughs> I don't want them in <laughs> I, Hawaii at all. I don't care about Hawaii. I don't ever go there. So I'll let them go to Hawaii. <laughs> Uh, but that's sort of surfers are the worst type of mentality it is a great sand bottom point it um, it's a little bit less than snapper you know it's not quite snapper quality but it has snapper-esque moments Um, snapper has that great barrel automatically off of the low tide behind the jetty and there are killer barrels out here especially at low tide waves Um, are better
1: today for sure
2: but it's just a great canvas, right? These guys are, are ripping. I'll tell you who this morning you didn't see it, but, um, Peterson crisanto Yeah. Looked pretty solid. He surfed against Kanoa and a local guy and Peterson Johnny Corzo.
1: He beat, so he beat both Kanoa and Johnny Corzo. Um, so Corzo's out, but so my thoughts on yesterday real quick are, there was nothing spectacular. Like I, uh, I guess it's because maybe the waves were marginal, but I watched throughout the entire day and there was some surfing that was better than others, but there was nothing spectacular. I think the highest heat total was in, was 14 points by Mateus Hurdy, And so I think that's, maybe that's it's a problem with the judges. form. Or, or no, it wasn't. The surfing was just marginal, to be honest. It wasn't as uh, spectacular as stuff that, I mean, you know, even in, uh, Tokyo, like the couple of airs that we saw in Tokyo. And maybe that's reflective of the early the wave. round format.
2: Well, look, here, here's what you got to realize this is a long wave, as you know, right? And so guys are just kind of carving and surfing. And then at the end, they're like, time for the, the big deal. So yeah. what we need to see is somebody on the outside get aggressive. And actually, Kolohe did that yesterday. He fell on one or two but from the outside i think the judges have to reward aggressive surfing on the outside yeah. otherwise you're just going to see three to the beach boring surfing through to the inside you know what right. i mean right um so yeah
1: well and the other thing is um that outside doesn't always have that section often a wave looks very marginal on the outside and it ends yeah. up being the one that actually bowls through the inside and you get a big score for the
2: barrel so i would argue these guys are good enough to do aerials on the outside section you know there are moments out there they're again they're holding back you know they're doing a sweeping you know radical rail carve cut back into the white water instead of say a 360 like that maybe kelly would do or something like i don't know which is why
1: it's kind of like surf ranch in that way is you know that barrel or the potential barrel section is coming so you don't want to blow it on the first section right and there's a little bit more reservedness. Um, But if the waves are pumping, it eliminates all of that. You know, like if the waves are actually good, then there's exciting sections on the outside as well, as can go big. Um, Despite nothing spectacular happening yesterday, the highlight surfers for me were Griffin Colopinto, Mateus Hurdy, Ethan Ewing, and Felipe Toledo. All regular footers, all um, really complete like fundamentals guys who got like the crazy bottom turn fundamentals, but they can also blow it out and actually Mateus Hurdy did exactly what you said on the outside section a huge rotation landed with his foot super far on the nose and like bo- used that to bottom turn up into the next high line section. Um, And he's somebody who I pointed out from stab high as being kind of a highlight there, not just for being able to do errors, but for having the complete package. So I'm psyched to see him so quickly again here and actually delivering on those, on the goods.
2: Yeah, me too. That that's a, a true dark horse, Um, you know, and, and, and really based on what we saw in stab high, not so dark. And I'm stoked to see him do stuff on the outside section. And again, that's, I think, for instance, Mateus doing that. The judges need to immediately go, "Hey, everybody, that eight. gets a really high score."
1: Yeah, like that's take
2: eight. note. Yeah, take note. You know, like don't bore the shit out of us. You know, we know you can do fifteen rail wrapping cutbacks, yeah. and quite frankly, it does get a little bit boring, right? You know, like everyone's like, "Okay, well, let's just wait for the end section." You yeah, know, okay, here comes an air reverse,
1: right? Um, as we proceed through the event, I think we'll see more of that. Obviously. People play it a little bit safe at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought – so in the elimination round today, uh, Kanoe Garashi, Pedersen Crisanto, Diego Cadina, Yago Dora, David Silva, Johnny Corzo. Oh, so Diego Kadena was the one that lost in that first heat. Uh, yeah,
2: Diego, yeah.
1: Yeah, so David Silva won the second heat. Jadson did, just won the third. What did
2: heat. Yago get second? Uh, top two advance and Yago's actually in ninth place. Like Yago is a, a scary, like Yago could qualify. That's for, the heat that
1: just ended right now. So I'll have to look it up.
2: Um, Yago's a guy that, I mean, he's got the air game at lowers. Yago could win lower. I mean, any of the top five could win lowers. Let's be honest, but
1: yeah. Yago got but, second. So he's still, but in I it.
2: feel like Yago's on the rise, like competitively, like from his minds more, more about his mindset. Like, I, like he's, He knows he belongs. He knows he can do it. That's the sense that I get. So did Yago get through? Please tell me. Yes, he got
1: through. He finished second. So he gets through. I agree. Yago, especially his wave at surf ranch, his left at surf ranch was, I thought uh, probably the best wave surfed in the event. Certainly the best left surfed in the event. And um, so he has moments of brilliance. I don't know that he has the consistency, like he's not on the level of, gabriel and idolo in terms of just tenacity you know he seems to be a little more i don't know not lethargic but
2: no maybe more casual polished. yeah casual exactly it's more a casual. little more craig anderson than which
1: which i actually prefer like I as as a viewer like i'm all for that and so but it means he's probably not going to thrive on tour
2: no i don't know maybe you know this all depends on how the judges adapt you know like what's wrong with a little style you know
1: it's the style is beneficial even for the judges. It's the mindset that you don't have to float the whitewash, the white, every whitewash section three times after the ride ends, you know, it's kind of the opposite mindset of Adriana de Souza of like, I'm going to milk every single section of this wave. Yago will highline through a section and go for a bigger turn, you know, or something. So I think it's yeah. the mindset.
2: Well, as you mentioned at the start of the segment, it's a great venue. Um, it, I guess the, the swell is supposed to pick up is what I'm hearing. Okay, good. And Even today
1: it looks a little bigger and certainly cleaner than yesterday.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. Yesterday had some weird wind swell, almost had some like tropical, um, sort of, uh, influx into the swell. There was, it was a little disheveled and today much cleaner.
1: Um, I'm just ha a thought that I'm just having right now, watching Seth Moniz's replay. Yeah. Um, you picked Seth Moniz in your survival league this year. For Hold on, will you do me a one? favor?
2: I want you to yeah. watch Seth here because there's a, something that I saw in this. Watch at the end; he does a tr- he does a turn when the wave runs off, and I feel like he should stay with this wave right here. Like he should have barreled. Look, right look there? at the wave. Yeah, the other yeah. angle showed that wave keep going, and I saw Tatiana Weston Webb do that a bunch yesterday. I'm like, why is she doing that turn? Why isn't she like grabbing rail, and pulling in? This is a they better venue. Watch yeah. this angle. Yeah, Watch right. the wave. It continues to run off.
1: Just because they don't know the venue, probably. You
2: I know? think it's part of what we were talking about earlier. They're like, oh, I got to do something on the end section. If I Maybe. just pull in and run off, I'm going to lose points.
1: Well, there's so the element of a wave like this that I think um, sometimes gets underlooked by the judges is flow. And so Kelly out there had so much flow and rhythm with the wave, he would never have found himself in that position that Seth was just in. Seth is just going turn after turn after turn, almost regardless of where the slow spots are in the wave. And so I don't know how the judges account, I guess speed, power, and flow, that's the flow part. But you see some people where they're just in sync and they're ready to hit the section when the section presents itself, but they're also not. Always going, you know, they're, they're I guess, waiting. And
2: I, and I wonder if the judges see what we just saw and go, you know what, that's not really what the wave dictated. Could have got no, sub- or if it just okay. totally goes over their head. Maybe it's maybe it's just me being like, why I, are you wasting that section? I see a wasted section is all.
1: I think, yeah, the judges are maybe going, he did eight turns versus um, Matt McGillivray, seven, so he deserves more points, you God, know, if, they're, if they're eight equal turns. Um, yeah, I don't know. But the other thing that you can't deduct points because they didn't do something, you know? That's a problem with the judging criteria too.
2: Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, you know, we don't know how the judging's going down here. And it, it evolves as the event moves through. So uh
1: so back to Seth though, you used him as your surf rival pick for event number one at pipeline and <laughs> lost. Yeah. But it was a good pick. And I'm watching him through this event thinking, God, the kids surf so good. But he's he doesn't make heats. You know, yeah. it's crazy how good of a surfer you could be and still fail to find your footing. It's gotta be demoralizing.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a, is this is his rookie year or second year? I think second. Yeah. Hard to say. It's hard to figure out with COVID like what's going on. I'm pretty sure it's his second. Well um, I'm trying to find where Seth is on the rankings. That's why I'm wondering if this is his rookie year, but. Like, he's probably way down there.
1: So a couple of big updates from yesterday's uh, event. Jeremy Flores announces his retirement. He will be finishing the season and his entire competitive career at Chopu, the next event, and signing off. Um, What are your thoughts on Jeremy? I never thought I'd
2: say I'm sorry to see Jeremy Flores go. Early in his career, I used to kind of – I wasn't a fan based on, I think his rookie year at Chopu and Andy and all those guys were going, let's do it. The swell's coming tomorrow. And they've, there was a vote and I believe he was one of the ones that voted against doing it. And, you know, Chopu was going to be 10 foot, like the gnarliest Chopu ever. But um, I feel like you got the story
1: backwards. uh, I I thought Jezzo was the guy, the one of the few guys willing to do it. And ultimately was the one who paddled out when the event was off.
2: Um, maybe I do. Who knows? It wouldn't be beyond me. My point is, is that I was mistaken and I was wrong. I'm a huge Jeremy Flores fan. I obviously I have been for the past five or six years. Um, he's, he's great. Out, he's better out of the water than he is in the water. I agree. I <laughs> and, agree. And I just want his energy and his, his honesty, really. And he has some great humility. He'll be the first one to go, you know what? This isn't my spot. I'm surprised I got through this heat. I, I sucked out there. You know what I yeah. mean?
1: Well, despite um, or kind of mirroring a lot of my sentiments, despite the WSL thinking that I'm anti, according to you and whoever you're talking to, <laughs> I am not anti. I am pro. But yeah. Jezza has mirrored a lot of my sentiments. And this year in Australia, he even said, he's like, this is kind of a joke. And he said it at the wave pool. I think in 2019, I remember screen recording that, um, where he's like, look, what are we doing here? Like, this is not my venue. These are not uh, like, I am a, uh, championship level athlete. And I'm sitting here surfing waves that were on the QS 20 years ago that I was just eager to get through, to go surf on the world tour. And so of course I'm not going to come, uh, be able to compete with the QS warriors. You know, like what am I doing here away from my family essentially is what he was saying. And so to your point, Jez is better out of the water than he is in the water. Yeah, him saying those things that we know a bunch of other people are feeling because they didn't show up in Australia, you know, is is great to have a voice of the spectator who is an athlete speaking. So um, I'm a big fan of Jeremy Flores for those reasons. However, and I'm a big fan of him being such a charger. He's, I think, a two-time pipe master. Obviously, his performance at Chopu are memorable. However, (laughs) despite all of those things, he's kind of vanilla in the water. Like, that frontside hack is sick, but I've seen it now for 15 years or 10 years on tour. And I don't know that he's really bringing a lot that challenges the top five in the world to be better. I think when they draw Jeremy Flores, if the waves are less than eight feet in barreling at a reef break, they feel like that's a that's a reasonably easy draw for them. And I don't know that we need a lot of those guys on tour like that. So Yeah,
2: I would agree. What he brings is a bit of sentimentality. He brings sort of the gray beard. He brings this, you know, um, we get to root for the guy that's been on tour. It's kind of a fun story. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have the spark that all these young guys have, but he brings sort of that underdog story. So it's when he does well, marches through. You're never really psyched on his heats, but you're psyched for him, kind of in a weird way, like Jadson, but Jadson's got more spark, you know.
1: Yeah, well, Jeremy made the final, I believe, uh, at Bali. I think it was a year or two ago. Was it against? Yeah, against Kanoa Garashi. In 2019, where Kanoa won. And I really felt like Je- I'd rather have any of these other surfers in this final against Kanoa. And when I went and looked back at Jeremy's heats, he barely got through a bunch of his heats with sixes. You know, like he
2: wasn't getting eights to make that happen. Are you sure that and was Jeremy? I'm pretty sure. Wasn't it the Panda? William no. Cardoso? Didn't he make no. the final in Bali? Uh, He
1: yeah at Uluwatu when they did it at Uluwatu I think the previous year he did yeah and it but it was Jeremy in the like six foot barreling rights Uh, Um, but. You know, so it's kind of like, even then he certainly he made a final. And so who am I to take that away from him? However, when you look back, it's like, he wasn't the best surfer in the event. He wasn't even the second best surfer in the event. He didn't even get the top scores. He didn't among the top five or six, he didn't get the top scores, you know? Yeah. So stuff that that like,
2: argument, you made that argument last time. That's just how competition works i mean that's the luck that's of the, the draw
1: no that's not that's the failure of the format like if that can happen regularly that's a failure of the format
2: well then why even have the heats like why not just get like why not do your ufc thing and just have two guys like we know who the best surfers are look like, like there's three guys like for that right-handed yeah actually maybe there's more but my point there's is more. let's you're kind of backing up what i always say let's just get rid of the bottom half of the tour do we really need to exact- see them 100 percent.
1: that's what i'm saying that put the best yeah. surfers in the best waves in the world let always. me ask you this
2: if we got to the top 16 are you saying there's 16 guys that are there's 15 guys that are as good as gabe or Elo no. no no there's maybe no. four so now you're yeah. saying using your logic you're saying let's just have four guys on tour because if um, you want the best guys in the no. world in the finals Here's what, what you're, you're like. saying
1: Here's what I would think would happen in that scenario. Let's say 5 of those top 15 are phenomenal barrel riders. Let's say 5 of them are fin- like world class barrel riders. That's 5, of them, are, five of them are 5 of them yep. are world class aerialists. 5 of them are world class let's say power surfers. And so at any particular venue, those 5 are going to be the ones that thrive. And so can they challenge Gabe as being the best surfers in the world? Well, in this one discipline, they can. And so it'll require Gabe to then elevate up to then kind of compete with those guys. And at the end of the year, you will have the most complete surfer.
2: Well, we what I we have right now is- We a, had 15 guys in that event in Indo at that right, Karamas. Jeremy could be, could have been one of the, could, could easily be in the final. He, he could was easily in the final. be in the
1: bottom 15 too though.
2: Yeah, but he was in, out of 32, he made the final.
1: At that one event ever, or one event, you know what I mean? Like
2: you're just saying he's not the best, and I agree with you. He's not one of the best guys in the during the event, but he made the final because of the draw, the way the draw worked out. So you 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 can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't because if you pick the top five, like tube riders, would Jeremy be on there?
1: Honestly, no. He he'd be number six.
2: Yeah. Be what about six. power surfers?
1: <laughs> are there even No, it'd be number six again, you know, like, or maybe number eight for power okay. surfers. That's my point is. I just want to make yeah. sure
2: that you're happy with fi- the, the 15th <laughs> tube rider you. guy being in a final against Gabe or Kanoa. Like, yes. are you going to look, you know, are be... you going to cry again? Not cry, but are you going to be disappointed again that, you know, we don't have the two best surfers of the event in the final? What went wrong here?
1: Um, I'm not saying I have all of the answers. I'm saying there's a far <laughs> better, there's a, uh-huh. 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 you didn't, you didn't catch me. I thought there's, you had a all far, of the answers. there's a far better version than what we're doing. So let's make right. movements to that. Yeah. And then I we agree. will recognize while we're doing that, what the new better version is. And so, yeah, my point is not, it's not that Jeremy's going to, uh, w- you know, not that he's not going to win it. We know he's not going to make, you don't need the back half. Of the tour, who you know is never going to win an event, and honestly, probably not even win a heat. To be there at every venue to reassure that they're not going to do those things—that is redundant. And the other problem, and it's really not only expensive for the WSL to do, it's too taxing for the viewer. If we have to sit, watch pumping cloud break to only see the five for eight hours to see the five surfers that we want to see for it's like that's way I too agree. much viewing for us we don't yeah, need to sit there for eight hours you're just preaching for the to the minutes. choir yeah. i'm with you okay so uh jezza retirement you know great to have had him i feel like for the first five years he really did push in the ways that we're talking about and required everybody to be better even if he wasn't winning a world title but at this point i think uh it's okay to see him go I think the common denominator that we're seeing with him and certainly with Julian Wilson and some of the other guys is they have families now. And the, the, the reality of being on the road for a decade and making that kind of your priority is just less appealing when you have other things going on in your life, right?
2: I've got a worst case scenario for you. What? <laughs> First, let me ask you this question. Could Adriano D'Souza win this event? I think the answer is yes. There's, there's unlikely, a map, there's a yes. roadmap where he could win it. In the way right? that Jeremy it Flores is, made it, right. the final at Bali, yes. It is unlikely. This is Adriano's retirement year as well. Yeah. Adriano wins this event. He could skyrocket into the top five. He would have 25,000 points. Wow. And some other stuff would have to happen. The guys in the fourth and fifth position would have to drop off a little it's bit. It's
1: a good story. And
2: then he goes into Chopu. Adriano Zosoza makes the top five by the skin of his teeth and he friggin' wins the world title at Lowers. <laughs> Could you see that? How, how pissed off would you be? Or would you be ecstatic for like- I don't know why you said this is the ever.
1: worst case scenario. This is kind of a great story.
2: I agree it's a great story, but it's not the best surfer in the world winning the world title, Definitely. which is what you're complaining about.
1: Definitely not. I think it would surfer.
2: be great. I'm going to hashtag Adriano right now. I'd I'll, love to I'll root see- for him. See what I mean? Like about the gray beard sentimentality effect. Like you're kind of like going, yeah, I want to see the old guy kind of take the young bucks down.
1: Of course. But you want to see him do it uh, because he's the better surfer on that day. You know,
2: it's like Jorah Mormont in the friggin' ring trying to impress Khaleesi.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to give you some listener feedback or a listener email because it relates to exactly this. He said, Hey, I've been enjoying the discourse on various discussions as of late, particularly around the WSL for someone who has been surfing for over 40 years and been a keen supporter of pro surfing until recently, the current direction of the WSL is profoundly disappointing and they have indeed found a way to kill off their core audience. Uh, But I think you're missing the mark about Gabriel Medina, despite his lead on tour, I think Uh, This is due to the current format and venues rather than him dominating in waves of consequence. Yes, he has won at Pipe and Chopes, but he doesn't necessarily fall into the same league as John John Florence, Kelly Slater and Jack Robinson in those conditions, especially on the rights. You mentioned the other day that it would be unfair to Medina if he lost on finals day. Well, the final event at Pipe has historically resulted in underdogs winning the title. Barton Lynch, Derek Ho, even Kelly Slater have come from behind to win the title on the final day uh medina might be the best competitor out there but he isn't the best surfer i generally don't like his surfing despite the aerial antics please continue to give the wsl hell and keep them honest i honestly find the whole pro surfing deal a giant hoax at this stage purely based on the wsl's mantra putting the best surfers in average waves cheers mark
2: what are your thoughts well mark mark brings up some great points i think all of them are valid those are good opinions um gabe not doing well in waves of consequence that are specifically rights especially relative to jack robinson or the others that he mentioned john john florence that could be true um but we've also seen gabe get insane backside barrels at backdoor pipeline yeah incredible (laughs) ones and so i think gabe medina is a world-class surfer and world-class competitor in any type ways i think he would do well at Jaws. And um, we know he can do good at Narrabeen or Newcastle. So I I think that's a bit of a stretch. I think it's uh, a bit of a stretch. I think it's
1: a bit of a stretch as well. I think he is still a world-class contender at those waves of consequence, but there might be an element of truth about it's more based on his uh, competitive kind of tenacity than it is that kind of raw, um, natural, I don't know what that Jack Robinson and John, John Florence and Kelly Slater have. So it would be yeah. better to see them duke it out in those types of waves for finals day. than Absolutely. it would be at
2: lowers. Absolutely. Know? It's almost like the three you mentioned are genetically predisposed to be great yeah. surfers and Gabe sort of grinded his way through it. Like Gabe easily could have just been, you know, whatever it is that you are in, in Brazil, a bricklayer or whatever the hell. You know, Which maybe, is also
1: super commendable and incredible.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, there, there's there's that blue collar kind of thing where you, you sense that, you know, Gabe had to work extra hard to get to yeah. where he is, and um, so and
1: yeah, did you see Seth Moniz's wave right now? That's I did. Wave? Yeah, the I've been watching. So it. sick, it's turning on right now.
2: And guess what he did? The last end section, barrel. Yeah, he he didn't do the thing. He, he oh, he did exactly what you
1: told him to do. He and, then he, and
2: then he did the floater and then broke his ankle.
1: Ow. <laughs> <laughs> he is coming in. Did he hurt himself? No, nah, the heat's over.
2: Oh, okay. Um, oh, so how I thought... was the drop, he got barreled on the outside. Like it's, I, I didn't, it was see a gnarly
1: that. drop too. Um, so what was I going to say about, Oh, one more thing about this finals day format. I've had an update through various conversations with listeners in the DMS, and we've figured out a better scenario for the WSL. Um, See, some of my criticism is constructive, Scott.
2: It's not just. No, I know. It's all constructive. It's just painted in a, there seems to be like a tone of resentment. That's all.
1: Yeah, because I feel like I own this thing. I feel like I own competitive surfing and they're going in a direction that
2: I'm not agreeing with. In many ways, you're like, you, you feel like you own the iron throne, but it's not really yours. And so you're on a mission to kind of conquer the seven kingdoms or whatever it is.
1: I don't feel that way about any of the surf brands, you know, if Quicksilver makes some decision, I'm like, who cares? I don't yeah. know. In that, but for whatever reason, because we grew up with it and honestly have been through various administrations long. So we've been there longer than all of these administrations other than Dave Prodan. Well, this is uh, the first
2: underneath all this. This is the first administration. That's, that's kind of like for profit. Like the other ones were like, Hey, we'll have a central unifying global um, entity that that is the marshal and stewards this thing forward and we're just not going to make money we'll let the brands make money and now this and so that's why i think we're extra sensitive to it because there's this capitalist side of it that's like are they making decisions to make money and if so is that really what's best for you and i who um have a have a emotional stake in this thing
1: well anybody who anybody at the wso who feels i'm anti is missing the point entirely because I want them to make money as well. And so all of these criticisms are in light of, oh my gosh, they're throwing out what's special about this thing. And what's special about this thing is the only way that they're going to grow market share. If it's inauthentic and phony, everybody sees through that, whether you're a core surfer or a val, yeah. um, So back to finals day format, Here's yes. the here's the updated constructive criticism. Yes. Right now it's scheduled so that if you're the top five, you get into this event. What it really should be, the way that it should be um, set up is that if you're mathematically able, if you're mathematically in contention for the world title after the Chopu event, then you get access into finals day. And some years that might be three people, some years that might be seven people. And every year going into pipeline, you've always... We've always had that math where it was like, well, Kelly has an outside shot or whatever. So whoever's earned the mathematical
2: access to the title. what? That's not true. There's been many years where they win it in Brazil. The guys take such a huge lead that they hand the title over before pipeline. Right. Yeah.
1: So in this, if they're going to do a finals day scenario, though, then the access into that finals day should only be given to those who have a mathematical chance at winning it.
2: Right. But what if the situation, and maybe this is a a reach, but there's a guy that's so far out in the lead, there's no way that you could take him, that you could beat him. Like he's got a 15,000 point
1: Well, no, yeah, I I agree. That's based on, no, but this new scenario that they're implementing, the points get washed away on finals day. Everything's 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 washed away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're not accumulating the points into finals day, but just to get into finals day, you should have to at least qualify mathematically because the scenario that we're finding ourselves in with this year is that Gabe has such a huge lead. It would be a shame if he then lost to somebody who didn't even have a shot at the title going into that finals day. I think that the format could be improved by this mathematics scenario. And certainly some years it might just be two. But what it'll it'll actually do is their whole idea was to get the best two surfers in the world against each other in the final event of the season like happened in 2019 with Idolo and Gabe in the final at Pipeline this will ensure that that actually happens just yeah, through a more, a more kind of fair method. I would say.
2: I'm okay with exploring that. I think that's worth exploring for sure. But I, I think that the big picture here is the location of this final. Of course. Surf. Yeah. The location is where they're missing the boat. And I spoke with some people at the WSL about this. I'm like, explain to me because what's interesting is in September, there's not really that many places that are waves of consequence that like that's the season. Cause it's a weird, it's at the tail end of the Southern hemisphere swell season. And it's way too early for the Northern hemisphere swell season. So you can only look to the Southern hemisphere, right? And so when you think about that, like of course us here, we think of Mexico or Central America or even South America. But how many waves of consequence are there? I can think of Puerto Escondido. There's another beach break in Central, America, in Central uh, Mexico. In the Kalima state of Kalima, there's um, there's probably that we know that Chile had a wave one time they did the rip curl search there. That seemed like it might be a wave of consequence, maybe not. But I I, I posted this to them. I said, What you know, where could you do it? You know, and and to me, it's like Chopu, and they can't do that because then they'd be doing back to back events at Chopu, right? And <clears> then <throat> there, and there's also Kandui left, which I think is legit, and there's probably some other waves in in indonesia but even late september middle september is kind of late season it's right cloud break break would be good but it's it's very iffy cloud break just it's very spotty you know like yeah maybe for sure you know like but again it's the end of the south southern hemisphere swell season so things could go dormant it's just a weird time for the final event in my opinion if you're looking for waves of consequence and i think that they are missing the boat you can't have the final of you have the final event at friggin Daytona 500 like at the super speedway you don't have it as you often say at the go-kart track and lowers is a go-kart track
1: I had these exact conversations with the W somebody at the WSL in 2019 they pitched the concept of finals day to me and was like what do you think of this and I said these exact things I was like it only works if the math works like I'm not opposed to the idea and the concept of it, but it needs to work where mathematically the people have a shot at it. And then B, the venue is the most important part. And so maybe do it on a boat trip in Indo and it's a rotating venue, you know, on any yeah, on the th- day.
2: Yeah, for sure. We can rotate it out. Oh yeah. You mean while that year it rotates just based on, but it has well, to be no, a wave of constant. That right, day, put it has-
1: the, the top five guys or and girls on the boat and then- yeah wait for the swell, that, and then it turns out it's going to be a green bush today. Boom, and we finals did that. are on. You know?
2: As you know, we did that during the OP Pro Boat Trip Challenge. I was yeah. on that trip. It was insane. Yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm all about that. I'm just about waves of consequence. I, I And so the guys at the WSL were like, well, we want to see performance. That's their thing. We want to see performance. And I argued back, we're seeing performance all year long. Yeah. You know, like, you know.
0: So what is that about? Not like we're lacking what is that about? performance.
2: I don't know, see like, performance don't we, on we see enough time? air reverses? Like, let's yeah. see the top five guys in the world in eight foot challenging, you know, you know, stomach and throat, crazy, yeah. deep, you know, 18 second interval gnar. like, you know, come on, let's the, go here. So this is pro surfing.
1: Go to any local beach break in Southern California this morning and whether the waves are big or small, you'll see 13 year olds doing air reverses. You know what you won't see people doing around the world? Is dropping in at on eight seveners. yeah, and getting shacked out of their mind, and so, but that's what these level of surfers on the CT can do. So why not go in that direction?
2: By the way, and did you see Greg Long's barrel at Puerto Escondido? Oh my gosh! Yes, I sent him that. I sent this guy at the WSL that I'm like, you're telling me that you you wouldn't be ecstatic if Gabe Medina was driving through that barrel to win the world title. That would be insane.
1: It would make. Why wouldn't you do it at Puerto Escondido?
2: They are poo-pooing Puerto Escondido as a, you know, for whatever reason they're they're not big on Puerto Escondido, and I think it's because they're soft.
1: Yeah, you're (laughs) anti WSL.
2: I am not. Uh, (laughs) Okay, no, I'm not. I love those guys, but I hate them too. No, so you want to hear?
1: You want to hear a non news story? Uh, yeah. Mikey Wright's retiring.
2: Oh my God. you know what you and I are retiring from pro surfing too did, did you see
1: sense? did you see that no he I mean I post, think I
2: did I think I did but in
1: his post heat interview he's like yeah you know I didn't want to step on Jeremy Flores' toes but I'm also retiring this at I think at this event he said he's not even going to Tahiti which makes me <laughs> think he's probably not vaxxed either he, um, but it was an like,
2: incredible six-month career
1: yeah, I know. I was like, I didn't even know he was on tour. And he's not, by the way. He only got on vir- by virtue of the wild card or the injury
2: wild card. The greatest um, retirement speech ever. Right there with I know. Like Lou Gehrig.
1: It, and he's like, well, I'm not actually retiring. I'm just going to obviously focus on free surfing. Competitive surfing isn't really for me. And we're like, yeah, no crap, Mikey. <laughs> you didn't have to make an announcement. You could have just slowly walked backwards and no, the camera wouldn't have even followed you.
2: You know?
1: oh my. Um, anyways, sorry to see him go, uh, yeah. uh, John. John, uh, I got a question. Tangential.
2: Is this the end? Can you hold oh, on, John? Oh sure. Where are, you, where are you headed? My dog is poor. Uh-huh.
1: When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. free that's linkedinjobs.com surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply
0: with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles
1: So welcome back to the show, Scott. Um, yeah. Why so do you make John, fun of
2: my um, my breaks? Right? Sometimes I have to use the restroom. Because it's an,
1: indica- it's an indicator of your age, so it's fun. What,
2: using the, going urinating is an indication of age?
1: Urinate- the frequency is an indicator of age. Oh,
2: the frequency. If you should um, see the flow rate. You'd be really disappointed. <laughs>
1: Uh, my question is regarding John John so John John announced that he's going to be sitting out for the rest of the season. This is not news. He announced this two or three weeks ago.
2: Yeah,
1: um, and it's due to injury. But my question is, is this the end of the John John era.
2: I wouldn't surprise me, even if he competes some more it seems like there's a lack of of. It seems he's as he's as like disengaged as we are almost you know what I mean.
1: It's, um, I guess when you watch his free surf footage, he just posted a video, a free surf video of him surfing around, uh, Australia in between events before he got injured. And I thought to myself, if this is all I ever get to see, if I only get to see this type of content from John, John moving forward, is that okay? And I totally am okay with that. Like that is so satisfying to me. And But I also want to see him still win world titles. So I'd be disappointed if he wasn't there at Chopu or Pipe, pushing the Gabriel Medinas and the Idalos to be kind of their best. Um, But it's a bummer to think that so much of his prime time has been thwarted by injury or cut down by injury.
2: Well, here's what's interesting, right? Let's say we have seen the end of it. In many ways, this is a complete indictment of, of the way the format is. Like Thank this, could, you. this could blow the whole thing up. Like if the top North American surfer in the world, and frankly considered by many to be the best surfer in the world, if he turns his back on this for whatever reason, but we would know that at the very end it's because his heart isn't into it. Um, that could be the thing that shakes the tree hard enough to make the leaves fall. And for somebody to get out a rake and put them in a bag and throw them away. Like that could, that could be, I know that was deep. That could be the thing that could be the, yeah. it could be a blessing in disguise because, well, because your great, your great UFC analogy would be like, okay, how do we get him re-involved? And he'd be like, I don't know. How about four guys that can do it left? Right. How about four guys at pipe for two hours? Yeah. How about we take, you know, let's take four of us to J Bay for a two hour session, pay-per-view, like, you know, like that could be what does it. So following that logic,
1: how much of the retirements that we're seeing, this mass exodus that we're seeing this year on tour is related to exactly that?
2: Well, I think there is a lot of sort of, um, you know, COVID uh, lethargy or just, you know, exhaustion, COVID exhaustion from it all, you know, from it's been quite a grind for these guys and the WSL included and kind of going through all this stuff and you know, at each event going, what do I got to do to go here? I mean, it's hard enough just to buy a plane ticket and get all your crap together, but then to figure out each and every different COVID scenario, the policies and protocols of these different nation states. its So there's exhaustion, I think. And when you're older and you got a family, as you mentioned, it's like, look, you know what? Now's the time, I'm out.
1: COVID is the expediter, you know? It, it whatever would have happened in five years is now happening in one year, but if, the tour was at Cloudbreak and G Land. Don't you think that Julian Wilson would still be inclined to compete? And don't you think that Jeremy Flores would still be
2: inclined to compete? Yeah, the one thing about Cloudbreak, as you know, and everybody knows, is that was the one event where they're like, this is kind of like a vacation. They all brought right. their families, they got killer waves, they all got to do even, you know, it was like it was kind of like a break in the season almost. It used to be in, I believe it was in May for a long time. And and that kind of allowed everyone to go okay honey don't worry i'm on tour again but we're going to be at cloudbreak in may for 2 weeks like you're going right. to get a vacation out of this right and so there's that part of it by the way um i'm a, i've been told that one of the guys that, that owned microsoft or google or i don't know but it's just posted up at tavarua <laughs> like yeah. i i don't think you'll ever see tavarua on tour you might see cloudbreak on tour but they, i don't think they'll be posting up at Cloudbreak ever again. I think the prices are through the roof, and I bet next door to, at Nomotu, the prices are through the roof. And there's just too many people that have, too many rich people that have just gone to Fiji and just, you know, like it's over. So I don't I wonder, think you'll see Cloudbreak on the WSL tour ever again. It, I, don't I wonder if that's related
1: have. to why it got bumped off.
2: I, I heard that there's a guy that's just posted up was rented the island for a year. So like to them, it's like, how much do you need a million five for the year done or yeah. whatever it is? I don't even know you know, what the number is, but um, yeah.
1: Well um, that's really interesting. Uh, but that happened obviously during COVID or after COVID and they canceled that stop before COVID. Right. So I'm wondering if the pricing was the reason or not. Um moving on from this mexico event obviously we're just starting day 2 now so there's a lot more to come and we'll revisit that next week yeah on spit but how
2: about did the you new schedule? Up? did you oh we didn't talk about that no i haven't you and i haven't oh. i don't oh, think I so they announced the uh, 2022 schedule
1: yeah i'm pipeline, pipeline
2: sunset yeah go ahead
1: pipeline sunset paniche bells margaret then we're going to do the 30 the uh, mid season cut which goes from 36 men down to 24, 18 women down to 12. This is a good thing. And after that cut, there will be G Land, Trestles, Sakarama, Jeffries Bay, Chopu, and then the final five surfers will surf in the Rip Curl WSL finals at a location to be announced. After that cut though, for anybody who didn't uh, make the cut, they can participate in a challenger series of events. And I think there's eight stops for that Challenger Series and then potentially re-qualify for the 2023 CT season. So rather than spending a full year off tour trying to re-qualify for the next season, uh, this way you can kind of jump right back on tour the following season.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, they, they should call this mid-season cut the the spit podcast cut probably. Thank Just you. It feels like they were listening to us and they're like, for Gods, and by the way, we're not the only ones that have been have been chiming loudly to to cut the amount of surfers on tour. But um, yeah, I you know, I'm looking at the tour. It it looks pretty exciting. The Brazil event is a bummer, to be frank. But I do think that they need an event in Brazil. I, I'm not sure that that's the best location. In my opinion, they should go to um, that island. Um, but I know yeah, that's probably Fernando. an expense. Yeah, that's a, probably an expense. But that seems like you get away from all of the the rio vibe and i right. think the surfers are over it totally. know, it's a I, it's like, a literal
1: like, safety concern
2: yeah aside and, from covid and of course the the powers that be that are saying hey please come to brazil they don't they want you in brazil, in rio they don't want you in some national park where no one can experience it
1: exactly so. the point of going to brazil is the circus is the interacting yeah. with the and fans and that's
2: what why we and you and i have a problem with the brazil stop it's it's not brazil it's the location
1: <laughs> it kind of is brazil though to be honest not, because well, it's not it's, really I, it's the it's, the people that have created the safety concern for the surfers so uh connor coffin and carissa moore saw somebody get shot at a gas station michelle Perez got thrown into a van to be kidnapped believe it or not <laughs> i sorry and he, to laugh
2: but that's pretty that sounds like it's out of a script
1: I mean, it's crazy. It's the stories are insane. So he was able to escape the van when they pulled up to a stoplight. I mean, if you're going to kidnap anybody, you shouldn't kidnap the Spartan. You should probably go for some of the, a little more live. Uh, who would you get? Like, Mike,
2: like, uh, who's the? Who I'm, is not
1: the even gonna, I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to comment on who okay. you should kidnap.
2: Okay. <laughs> Come on, that's a good question for our listeners. Oh. To chime
1: in on. <laughs> so, so Michelle, thankfully got out of that scenario, escaped his captors. Years ago, years ago, Shane Dorian at the event down there was held up at gunpoint, put on his knees with a gun to the back of his head and his surfboard. He was walking down to the beach with two surfboards, one under each arm. Kidnapper pulled a gun, stuck it to the back of his head, said get on your knees, and then took his surfboards and said, Count to 100. And Shane Dorian did, opened his eyes and the captor was gone. So that was these years are great
2: ago. stories. These are the untold stories of the uh, Rio Pro. We need to get a documentary on these things. By the way, imagine if you're like, okay, I'm going to kidnap a surfer, who's a small, a small guy, and you're like, look at that ginger there, Mick Campbell. Let's go get him. If you kidnap Mick Campbell, it would not be good for you. You would probably the ginger ninja. He would. You would be gone. Mick Campbell. He'd think you got the right guy, and Mick Campbell would break out some dragon glass mm-hmm. and just go Richter on your ass.
1: Um. So these are legitimate concerns for the athletes yeah, but i mean that's
2: not going to happen at fernando d exactly. whatever that that national park so i'm just saying exactly. go there like don't go to rio yeah yeah
1: well sakurama is a crappy wave anyways no offense um so that's kind of <laughs> no that's offense. that's kind of a uh, a bad choice for the the location no matter what um yeah. i'm happy with all the other stops i'm fine with paniche you know bells uh, it's not the greatest wave in Australia, but whatever. I don't mind seeing it on there. Margaret River has become one of the great stops on tour when we saw what Felipe did this previous year and what John John's done the previous two years. G Land is a thrill to have back. Trestles, I'm fine with being on tour. It's not a great finals day venue, but I'm fine with that uh, mid season because we do want a rippable wave somewhere and we don't have Snapper anymore.
2: So I like it. You know, um there was some discussion about the pipeline masters and i've learned that it has actually been r- renamed the the ct stop for pipeline is going to be called the pipeline pro
1: actually the billabong pro pipeline
2: okay yeah billabong the, Q, the qs stop
1: is going to be called billabong pro and then the ct one is billabong pro pipeline
2: right and that's because vans the triple crown that they own the trademark to is apparently going to do something with the pipeline master's name, whether they're going to do again, a digital um, version of the triple crown, like they did last, last time where they, where you uploaded clips of yourself. Um, that's yet to be determined. I don't know what they're doing with that, but what are your thoughts on that is the legacy of the pipeline masters. It's basically gone as far as a competitive form of uh, framework for which we would see, um, you know, incredible, uh, performance is going down
1: so the brand pipe masters is now not on tour anymore but the pipeline event still is i don't really care um i understand kind of the concern and the point maybe that you're making but it's not it's not the end of the world as long as they have a ct event there that's what's important
2: i would agree it's going to be about the competition not the name and that's proven out when you think about the vulcan pipe pro some of yeah. the great, great competition we've seen there over the years. So totally.
1: Um, did you catch up with stab high episode three last week?
2: I have not. I've been, okay. uh, I haven't seen any of the stab high since the last time we talked.
1: I'll um, give you two highlights real quickly that will apply whether or not you've seen it. Aaron Brooks, the young goofy footer, 13 year old goofy footer, who is potentially going to win the event and has won the event in the past she does this backside rotation air that's sick and she lands it and gets a big score. But what I thought was most, we were talking previously about the behind the scenes discussions being kind of the biggest value of this event where the judges are kind of discussing how they come to a score. This applies for um, talking to the surfers as well. And one thing that Aaron says about doing that backside rotation is she has probably attempted it a thousand times. Okay. She's like, I've been doing that. I've been trying that forever. I've literally tried it a thousand times. And that was definitely the biggest one and the cleanest one that I've ever done. And it happens to be on camera, thankfully. And it happens to be during stab high, thankfully. And I just thought to myself, and I'll ask you this, when was the last time you practiced something 1000 times?
2: <laughs> Never. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, at that point, at some point it's not practice anymore. You're just doing it, you know?
1: I I mean, I was really astonished and admired the commitment to, I mean, in surfing, I don't practice anything. I just go out there and I kind of go through the motions and I try to enact these kind of fundamentals, but the idea of practicing something and doing it a thousand times is the difference between this level of an athlete. The thirteen-year-old Aaron Brooks versus me—you know, like that commitment to getting better—is astonishing and admirable. And I found it almost inspirational. Where it was like, "Man, yeah, I would like to—I would like to do an Aaron surfing. Why haven't I? Oh, it's because I don't practice it. I should go out there and actually try to do something."
2: You know? Yeah, this kind of reminds me of the Major League Baseball player John Crock, when he was asked by a reporter (laughs) something or another, he said, "Look, we're not athletes." we're ball players. And that's kind of where I come on this one. Like I'm not an athlete. I'm a surfer. I'm not practicing. I'm not going out. I'm trying to get away from practicing. I'm trying to go out there and enjoy the ocean and catch some waves and and get in touch with whatever it is I'm trying to get in touch with and practicing to me. Okay. Yeah. Competitively. I get it. And I'm, I'm not poo pooing anything about it. I'm just saying me personally, I'm not an athlete and with regards to surfing. I'm a surfer. I go surfing and there's a big difference. And so practicing is, goes completely against uh, what I considered surfing to be.
1: You know what I got out of that? Scott Bass hates
2: 13 year old girls. (laughs) They surf better than me. So I have to be against them (laughs) because my ego is threatened.
1: I agree with you though. That's my, my uh, philosophy on surfing has been very similar to yours, but watching her, I realized, I think I could still enjoy it. And Uh, Engage in it more. Uh, The other behind-the-scenes thing that I thought was fantastic was behind-the-scenes with Charlie Rodriguez. Now, do you know who Charlie Rodriguez is? No. This is why Stab is great. (laughs) We've been calling him Charlie Medina for 10 years. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) He's he's Char- he's Gabriel's stepdad, which of yeah. course his name wouldn't be Medina if he's Gabriel's stepdad. I guess unless right. Gabe took his name, but his name is Charlie Rodriguez. Thank you, Stab. But Charlie is on this trip with. Isn't he a uh, singer?
2: Like, wasn't he a famous <laughs> singer down in South Africa? <laughs> no, um,
1: oh. Charlie's on this trip with Sophia Medina, which is Gabriel's younger sister, oh. and so Charlie obviously is not coaching Gabe as of the beginning of this season um, and traveling with him. And he's focusing all of his efforts now on traveling with the younger sister, Sophia. And Stab has 10 filmers on this trip. So Charlie does not need to be there to film. But despite that, he is there spending eight hours a day sitting in the scorching sun, filming all of Sophia's clips and reviewing them with her. And not only is that incredible, they interview him. It's a short interview. And it's kind of off the cuff. And it's actually Nathan Fletcher, who's just commending Charlie, like, man, this is incredible that you're here doing all this hard work. And Charlie's like, honestly, this is what I was born for. Like, I am thrilled for the opportunity. The fact that I even find myself in this situation of being able to spend my life on the beach with my kids thriving at what they're doing is an honor. So the sun is not going to stop me from doing this, you know, and these behind the scenes, it was a, one minute 90 second little conversation and i got more from charlie than i had gotten from the previous 10 years that i've seen him on tour or eight years or whatever it's been and that was a real highlight of episode three
2: all right fair enough you're pro charlie rodriguez i loved and it he sounds like a dedicated father yeah this is good
1: yeah notice how all of my conversations are seen through the filter of fatherhood now
2: yeah right right <laughs> fatherhood's uh, great man you're stoked must I mean, see moments
1: dukes kooks
2: um gosh i think we 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 have discussed my kook my uh, must my uh, duke already um search search I, yeah i'm, I'm i i do not know i don't know who it is forget it i don't have a duke
1: i've got a must see moment and uh it's dane reynolds latest film uh Whoop. gosh i'll look dane reynolds
2: who's, who's dane reynolds
1: well he was uh he was the james dean of the surf world for a good i don't know 15 years six six years six so eight years. years maybe at the most um and disappeared oh, we loved we loved disa- disappeared into kind of fatherhood once again but has actually come back recently to shine a light on all of the other young up and coming surfers out of ventura county who don't have a surf industry to support them he's created a video series called chapter 11 chapter 11.tv is the website yeah it's a bunch of short films and he just released uh the 11th episode or installment of the series it's 16 minutes long scott bass i will implore you to go and watch it right now it's a lot of dane Dane surfing as well but it's lo-fi I mean, honestly, they are putting out some of the best content consistently right up there with the torn Martin and Ishka stuff, but a very, very different vibe. And it's just shredding high performance shortboard shredding. You watch it and you think I got to go pick up my thruster and try to do that. You know, just try to blow the back out of one section today. Uh, it's incredible.
2: (laughs) I, you know, you and I have commended Dane for his new, like, you know, 3.0 Dane Reynolds 3.0 or whatever it is. And, um, I'm stoked on him, I mean, you and I love it when he actually provides so much insight. He's kind of like one of those guys where I just, as much as I love watching him surf, I'm kind of like hearing what he has to say, because mm. um, I think he's got some pretty deep, deep insight. Even though he sort of beats around the bush, he's not super forthcoming all the time, but
1: I'm a fan. I'm interested. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't fully agree with you. I I'm always interested to hear what he has to say. I don't think it's always as profound as the surf world gives him credit for. Mm. I think like the James Dean analogy that I made, it's like his mystery and aloofness actually adds weight to then when he does say something, people are just like, did you hear what Dane said? And they're analyzing every aspect of it. And I'm like, I think he just, it was just, (laughs) a yeah, exactly. Like, or, or he's, you know, things that we've discussed for hours ad nauseum for six months. Oh yeah. He just recapped that in three sentences, but we've been touching on that or ex- yeah.
2: excavating it for Maybe months that's now. an indictment on us more than an indictment on Dane. It's just
1: not a necessarily a fresh new comment that he's necessarily making all the time, but, uh, right. but I'm a fan of his, you know, yeah. just like, uh, Anyways, especially if it's surfing, the other thing that I like about this video series is that it's so relatable. This feels, and maybe it's for me because it's Southern California, but when I was growing up watching uh, tropical footage of Frankie Oberholzer and Tom Curran, you know, wherever at, um, in Indonesia, like, yeah, in like barreling perfect reef break waves, it was aspirational, like, oh, I hope I can go there one day. But then when the Lost videos came around and it's everybody in black wetsuits with booties surfing muddy looking water with terrible lighting, I was like, oh, this is actually this is what I should be trying to do is surf like these guys. And that's what Dane Reynolds stuff reminds me of. Lighting's terrible. Waves are crappy. It's windy. How do you how do you smash into a flat crappy section? And that's what I'm more likely going to be doing. So that's why I like
2: it. Fair enough. That makes tons of sense.
1: 11.tv must see moment uh, i've got a kook scott that i'm almost apprehensive to end the show on but it's it's a story
2: oh, okay what is it
1: santa barbara surf school this just broke uh this yeah. morning at 6 30 a.m oh. santa do you know what it is
2: did he get convicted
1: no santa uh yeah santa barbara surf school owner arrested
2: oh arrested and, i thought he was already arrested
1: in two murders of his two young children in Mexico.
2: Oh my God, this is a different this is a, story.
1: This is a horrendous story. A California surf school owner was arrested on suspicion of stabbing to death his two children in Mexico. Matt Matthew Taylor Coleman, 40, of Santa Barbara, was detained by US Customs and Border Protection agents at the crossing at San Ysidro. Uh, ultimately, I'll save you the gory details, His kids were three and two and one, and they were found stabbed to death in a Rosarito hotel.
2: Holy shit. That's horrible. Do you know this guy, Matt Coleman?
1: Never heard of him, but he founded a surf school in Santa Barbara. They didn't give the name of the surf school. This is on uh, CBSlocal.com.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Brutal. Gnarly. Yeah, really gnarly.
1: So, on that note, Scott, it um, looks familiar. So, great show. Enjoy the rest of Mexico. I will see you and listeners at the boardroom show in September. That is one month and two weeks away.
2: You went to Point Loma University, got a master's at UCSB. Born and raised are in Santa Barbara. Tickets oh. are available on board. Okay, yeah. No, no, no. Hey, here's the deal the boardroom show presented by US Planks. September 25th and 26th, the tickets are available right now. You can get tickets and um, tickets are going crazy. Like we've been having great ticket sales. I'm super excited about it all. And um, we've got a great show. It's just going to be a great show. And uh, we're actually live streaming it, right? If you're not, um, you know, if like you're a global listener in, you know, wherever New Zealand or Australia or somewhere in Europe or wherever you are, we're going to live stream parts of the show on Saturday and Sunday. And then, of course, loop that live stream so you can watch it. And all that's going to take place on Surfline. And I believe Magic Seaweed is as well. And awesome. um, Yeah, boardroomshow.com for tickets. Go get there now.
1: Um, I'm looking forward to going. I'm looking forward to seeing you. Looking forward to seeing Pat Rawson and all of those uh, iconic shapers. Um, uh, did you, just a total side note, mm-hmm. I texted you and said you should watch episode three of 100 foot wave with Garrett McNamara. Have you gotten yeah. into it yet?
2: No, you know what? I'm okay. As you can tell by my references today, I'm on a Game of Thrones binge. I never watched Game of Thrones. So I'm actually at the last season of Game of Thrones. It's quite exhausting and quite fascinating. What a great show they put on there on HBO.
1: Well, when you are finished with that, watch a real Spartan combating real live dragons and monsters off the coast of portugal all
2: End right
1: wave garrett mcmahon not a paid advertisement but episode three i really really like
2: okay i'm gonna check it out i've heard great things about it from you and from many others frankly it's, it's really well done actually yeah good okay okay well david okay. until next time adios and aloha. it's always summer in the
0: southern state where i'm behind Not in hiding Just trying not to be found